One of the benefits of being on the, the leadership team here is getting the kind of the advance notice of what the plan is for the Sunday service, um, and 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 uh, you you have a chance to to know what is coming. And Isaiah 55 is just an absolute um, passage that is packed full of truth, and uh, you know all of all of Scripture is is edifying as God breathed, uh, but some just hit a little different. For, and for me, Isaiah 55 is one of those passages. So um, I, I uh, implore you to read along with me. Isaiah 55, that is on page 615 in the, the Bible in the chair rack. Uh, but we, we'll be reading this whole, this whole chapter. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk, without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me, and eat what is good, and delight yourselves in rich food. Incline your ear, and come to me, here, that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation... You shall call a nation that you do not know, and a, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that, be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty. But it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. For you shall go out with joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Instead of the thorn shall come up the cypress, instead of the briar shall come up the myrtle. And it shall make a, and it shall make a name for the Lord, an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. All right, thank you, Andrew. Have you ever been thirsty? I mean, really thirsty. I can remember as a kid helping my Uncle Raymond put hay up in the hay mow. And uh, as a young kid, I can remember hot summer days. I can remember dusty, dirty days, sweaty days. Uh, I can remember those days way up in the peak of a sweltering and stuffy barn, throwing those hay bales around. Um, I, I can remember that context being extremely thirsty. Um, and I can remember my Aunt Mabel providing ice-cold Kool-Aid um, in a one-gallon thermos jug. I can almost picture that jug today. Now, I remember some cookies too, but I remember 
how satisfying it was to drink that ice-cold Kool-Aid after you've been working so hard. Now, I I am very fortunate, and we are very fortunate. um, I've never lived in a place where good drinking water wasn't readily available. Um, There are places in the world where that is the case. Um, where there, there is a question of whether or not there will be enough good drinking water. Certainly now, in the wake of Ida coming ashore down in Louisiana and other places, uh, a shortage of good drinking water can be a really serious problem. But if you remember your Old Testament history well, you'll know that there have There have been times in Israel's history where their thirst created a real crisis. In Exodus chapter 15, right after the Lord had delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, they thought they were going to literally die of thirst. God had just miraculously parted the Red Sea, delivered Israel from their enemy, and he did that in a dramatic way to display his awesome power. And in Exodus 15, they responded by singing this great hymn of praise because the Lord had triumphed over their enemies in a glorious way. And the text tells us that they immediately set out from the Red Sea towards the Promised Land. And after traveling for three days, they found no water. And when they came to Mara, they did find water, but they couldn't drink it because the water was bitter. It was not good water. And, and so the, the text says that the people grumbled against Moses. And, and in response, Moses cried out to the Lord. And the Lord showed him a log or a tree, and he threw that tree into the water, and this Bitter water became sweet. (laughs) Exodus chapter 15, verse 25 through 27 says this, There the Lord made for them a statute and a rule, and there he tested them, saying, If you will diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God, and do that which is right in his eyes, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord, your healer. Then they came to Elam, where there were twelve springs of water and seventy palm trees, and they encamped there by the water. (laughs) Their thirst was satisfied by the Lord. But it wasn't long before they were in trouble again. In Exodus chapter 17, verse 1 through 7, we read this. All of the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandments of the Lord and camped at Raphidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, 
Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, "What, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass alone before the people, taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you, and there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and the water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And so Moses did, in the sight of the elders of Israel, And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the quarreling of the people of Israel and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So again, the Lord satisfied their thirst. But was the Lord among them? Well, 1 Corinthians 10.4 says, Yes, he was. Even Christ was among them spiritually. Verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 10 says, For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. So the Israelites were not alone in the wilderness. Christ was with them spiritually, meeting their every need. But would they trust him? Well, in Numbers chapter 20, the Israelites were still in the wilderness, and they were, again, thirsty. Um, Keep in mind that the Lord had miraculously provided water and food for them again and again already. But they are again thirsty, and they went to Moses grumbling and complaining, and I quote, Why have you brought the assembly of the Lord into this wilderness that we should die here, both we and our cattle. And why have you made us come up out of Egypt to bring us to this evil place? (laughs) And again, Moses and Aaron went to meet with the Lord in the entrance of the tent of meeting, and they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared to them, and the Lord spoke to them, and I quote, Take the staff, And assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give it to the congregation and their cattle. And Moses did this. But this time Moses provoked the Lord's anger when he said this, and I quote, Hear now, you rebels, shall we bring water for you out of this rock? (laughs) And Moses struck the rock, and an abundant supply of water gushed out. But listen to what the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in response, and I quote, Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given to them. These these are the waters of Meribah, where the people of Israel quarreled with the Lord, and through them he showed himself holy. So Moses did not set the Lord apart as unique and 
all-powerful and altogether responsible for satisfying their thirst. But Moses took some of the credit for it himself. Moses stole from God's glory. But, but again, it was the Lord who satisfied their thirst. So with those experiences in mind, with those experiences in their history, we come to Isaiah 55 this morning. And here, the Lord says, come to Jesus, drink, eat, and be satisfied. Listen again to verse 1 and 2. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. So we have here in this text, and Andrew alluded to this already, but we have here in this text such a warm, a gracious, compassionate, love-filled, and generous invitation to, to drink and eat what only the Lord can provide and truly be satisfied, truly be satisfied, fully, in every way. This invitation here in Isaiah 55 just draws our hearts into him. When you listen to this invitation, you, you want to come. The invitation here goes out to all people. Everyone who thirsts, come. Come and drink. The invitation is given by the Lord who sees and understands our needs. He, he wants to meet our needs. And what He gives is free. It's a gift. In fact, what's offered can't be purchased with money. It can only be paid for and given by the Lord Himself. And, and it's lavish. Certainly, if you're in the desert, water is good. But what He offers isn't just water. It's wine and milk. It's the best. Come and drink and eat and be satisfied with what the Lord provides. And if we're told here in this text, and if what the Lord gives freely, truly, satisfies, why spend your money for that which does not satisfy? Why labor and work on your own for what does not satisfy when what Jesus offers freely, lavishly, is what really, truly satisfies? The point that you shouldn't miss is this. What Jesus offers is what truly satisfies. But the question remains, what, what does Jesus offer? Is it physical drink? Is it physical food? Um, and, and let me remind you again, chapters 4, 54 and 55 are given to us to know how to respond to chapter 53. Um, what did we learn in chapter 53? It was the Lord's perfect servant suffered in our place so that we could be restored to a right relationship with God. But the invitation comes that we, we must put our faith in Jesus. 
But, but also, as we think of the invitation to come, drink, eat, and be satisfied, we, we, we must think about Jesus, what Jesus himself reveals to us in the New Testament. Uh, what, what does Jesus really offer? Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 4. I would like to read verses 6 through 14 of John chapter 4. The account of Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman. Um, I'll pick up uh, with verse 6, where we read this. Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. Uh, that, that is the well in Samaria. And it was about the sixth hour. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink for me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Verse 11, the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where, where do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. And Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give to him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So Jesus isn't offering mere H2O. He, he's offering something far more than that. But he does it in a very effective way because we know that without physical water, we cannot physically live. We'll die. We must stay hydrated in order to live physically. And so what Jesus is really saying is this. You, you can't have real life without what I'm offering. What I offer will give you eternal life. If you drink of the water that I offer, you will never die. You will never thirst. You will always be satisfied. So what is eternal life? It, it's not just an infinitely long life. It, it's a life restored to God through faith in Jesus Christ. The restoration this restoration to God really is a grand conversion. It's a radical change that takes place in the heart of a sinner. It requires being born again by the Spirit, as John 3 teaches us. It includes our confession of sin. It includes our repentance. It includes believing that Jesus is the Son of God who came to this earth to die on the cross in my place. It includes believing that Jesus suffered in my place. It includes believing that Jesus took my sin upon himself on that cross and was buried and was raised to life. And that by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, I'm forgiven of my sin 
and counted as righteous before God. Jesus took my sin and gave me the gift of his righteousness. And because of this, I'm restored to a right relationship with God. I'm known by God, and I know God only through Jesus and the water that he offers for me to drink. You will, you will never, ever be disappointed when you truly know God. And we can only know God through Jesus. This is the eternal life that Jesus offers. Come, come, come to Jesus. Drink, eat, and be satisfied. The, the satisfaction that Jesus offered is far more than satisfying of physical thirst. The thirst Jesus satisfies is that deep longing peace with God. Until we are restored to a right relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ, we will be restless in our souls. We will never rest until we rest in Christ. The, the guilt of our sin will press heavy upon our hearts and our souls. We, we can't escape it. Nothing, nothing we do can take it away. We, we will live in fear of judgment and death until we drink and eat what Jesus has to offer. Then we will thirst no more. So this text says, come and drink and eat of Jesus and, and be satisfied. But also the Lord says, listen to me that your soul may live. Through Jesus, who fulfills God's promise to David, he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. Um, verse 3 of Isaiah 55 says, Incline your ear and come to me, hear that your soul may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast, sure love for David. So, David, King David, was given a very bold promise that his, one of his descendants would reign on his throne as a righteous king forever, forever. And today we know that king is Jesus. And so it's really through Jesus that an everlasting covenant was established. Now, the book of Hebrews demonstrates that the old covenant given on Mount Sinai did in fact serve a very good purpose. But Jesus came to establish the new covenant. And as Hebrews 8.13 says, in speaking of a new covenant, I quote, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. So, God puts the old covenant in place until Jesus was revealed. But what we have in Jesus now is far better um, than what we had in the old. And that, that something better, that far better, is a, is a very important theme that we see throughout Hebrews. Um, as an example, the sacrifices stipulated 
in the Old Covenant didn't take away sin. Hebrews tells us that. They, in fact, reminded us of sin. They were a constant testimony of our sin. And they kept pointing forward to when Jesus would come and be the spotless Lamb of God who would give his life on the cross, shed his blood once and for all to take away our sin. But for our purposes here today, what verse 3 wants you to see is that through Jesus, an everlasting covenant will be established. Uh, it, It gives an eternal redemption. This new covenant that is established with the shed blood of Jesus gives us life, eternal life. And and so there is this call for us to listen, listen to Jesus. Also in verses 4 and 5, we read this, Behold, I make him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples, Behold, you shall call a nation that you do not know, and a nation that did not know you shall run to you because of the Lord your God and the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. So this text begins by saying, behold, we've seen that before. When we see that in the text, it's like, okay, sit sit up, pay attention, don't don't miss this. Um, don't, Don't miss what is being communicated, that Jesus will in fact come from Israel, but he will be for the peoples. He'll be for the nations, for all peoples, all people groups. Jesus' ministry would be for all people, Jew and Gentile. There there is no other person that we need for whom we should look for. So we're, we're told to look to Jesus. And this is why in verses 6 and 7, the Spirit says through Isaiah, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Repent and experience the compassion and pardon of our God. Let me read verse 6 and 7. Verse 6. Seek the Lord. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him, and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. It's a beautiful invitation that's given. We we see three things here, and we're going to close, we're going to sing a song, and we're going to prepare for the Lord's table together, but there are three things that we we need to see. As we think about this this idea that Jesus alone satisfies our thirst, that Jesus alone gives life to our being, it, it only makes sense that the first thing that we see here is that we should seek the Lord while He may be found. Something needs to take place in our heart of hearts where, as we sang early, we turn our, our eyes to Jesus. We look to Jesus. We seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Don't, don't wait. Look to Jesus. Listen to Jesus. Call upon Jesus. Uh, Romans 10.13 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call 
upon Jesus today. Um, don't wait. I, if you're waiting, I, I would ask why. What, what's keeping you from looking to Jesus, calling upon him? And secondly, it, it says here, the wicked must forsake their way. In other words, this is a call for us to repent, to leave your life of sin, to leave your own sinful ways and your own sinful thoughts, to turn from your sin and turn to the Lord. That's, that's the call for us to recognize that God alone is holy and what He teaches through His commands and through the teachings of Christ expose where we fall short, far short. We all fall short of God's glory. And when we think about the holiness, the righteousness of God, and we think about our own sinfulness and what we deserve, and we seek the Lord, we, we turn to the Lord, we, we leave our sin, we... We confess our sin. We turn from our sin. And we run to Jesus, who alone is righteous. Notice, though, what happens, the third thing. When you seek the Lord and repent of your sin, the Lord will have compassion on you, and you will be abundantly pardoned. There, there are a number of places in Isaiah where the message against the Israelites um, was pretty stern. It was, it was heavy. It was filled with judgment. And rightly so, because there was a stubbornness in their hearts that though they had heard of and seen the hand of God at work, they refused to leave their sin. And so a stern message of judgment was fitting and appropriate. But, but here the invitation is so warm. It, it is so grace-filled. It is a gracious invitation to, to seek the Lord, to turn to the Lord, to repent, turn away from wickedness and turn to the Lord. And when we do that in faith, we, we will experience the compassion of the Lord an abundant pardon. <laughs> Folks, there's, there's nothing greater than being weighed down with the guilt of our sin and then seeing the, the person and the work of Jesus and what he did on that cross, how he suffered in our place, and how through repentance and faith, our sin can be forgiven. It's gone. I remember one time talking to a, a, a person that I knew well who had committed adultery. And my first conversation with him earlier, early in the week, he was in despair and he was ready to take his life. And... He met with a pastor that ministered the gospel to him. He responded with repentance and faith. And when I talked to him at the end of the week, he said, I can't explain it. I was ready to take my life, 
and today I have great joy in my heart. (laughs) What made the difference? He sought the Lord. He turned from his wickedness. He experienced the compassion of the Lord, and he was abundantly pardoned. That's the work that Jesus does. So I say to you this morning, come, drink, eat, and you will be satisfied. Let's pray together. Father, what an amazing text. What a powerful invitation. What a great God that you are. What a rich, rich, satisfying plan of salvation that you have given. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you for Jesus who came, lived a perfect life, always conforming to your will, and even for the joy that was before him, endured the shame of the cross and willingly laid down his life to be obedient to you so that he could purchase the salvation for all those that you came to save. Father, I want to pray for each and every individual here this morning. I'm thankful that you know the hearts of each one. You know those who are young and those who are old and everyone in between. And you know where their heart is before you. And I, I pray this morning that if there are any here that have yet to just hum, humble themselves before you and to seek you and to turn from their stubborn unbelief and their own love of living life their own way, I pray that they would repent even this day come to you and find in Jesus what he offers. Find compassion and abundant pardon. But Father, I I pray for those of us this morning that have already been the recipients of your grace in this way where we we, um, have been made alive by your spirit. We have turn from our sin we have turned to Jesus and we drank the cup and ate the bread that only he offers and we have experienced the satisfaction that only he can give father help us to be a people that every day not not turn away from not lose sight of not grow distracted or bored with but we would every day live in light of this precious, precious gift of eternal life that Jesus has given. Something that only Jesus can give, that we can't work for. No amount of money can purchase. It's a gift that only Jesus can give. And it's a gift that only, it's only this gift that will truly satisfy. So help us, Father, to have hearts that remain uh, focused upon Jesus, satisfied with Jesus, and in him alone. So we pray that uh, for each of us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.